What's up, guys? How y'all doing? Good. Good. Um, might have just broke something. I don't know. We're trying something new out here, and uh, whenever you try something new, um, you always just kind of wait and see what happens, which is uh, how this entire message is going to go. <laughs> I have a very, um, very Michael Scott approach to this message. We just kind of start and see how it ends up, <laughs> you know, uh, and we're just going to go along with it. But I think um, I was telling somebody earlier, I said the night's either going to be a lot of fun or it's going to be a little bit weird. Um, oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Um, to which someone else responded and said, you can do both and it'll be fine. Um, so let's see here. We're going to try this out. See how that goes. This may not work out well. For those of you who don't know who I am, uh, my name is Aaron. I am a middle school pastor over at the Apex campus. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's, you're a lot more excited about that than I am. Um, no, I'm just kidding. If you've hung out with middle schools for any time, then you know that they're absolutely great. Um, but it's always a pleasure and it's always a lot of fun whenever um, I get to come and be with you guys because it's, it's, it's a little bit different. Um, you get a chance to kind of uh, dive into things that maybe you otherwise wouldn't get a chance to dive into. And also the kind of the interesting uh, thing about what, what I get the privilege of being able to do here at Summer Nights um, is I'm a young adult. <laughs> and so usually what I find is that in my time of preparation for things like this, um, I usually find myself um, learning a ton in the process of the preparation. Um, usually with middle schoolers, not to discount where they are or the way they think or the way they process life in general. Um, but usually with middle schoolers, the way that it, that it plays out is you're kind of talking from some life experience. Uh, here in this room, um, we're all experiencing the same things. Uh, and some of you are even a little bit further ahead uh, than I am. Um, and those always come with some nuances. Uh, they always come a little bit differently and a little bit unexpected. Can somebody bring this back to the tech booth for me, please? That'll be really helpful. Thanks. Appreciate you. I'm going to try that out and see if that works. Um, that's it. That's, that's the motto for tonight. Here, tonight's main point is we're just going to try it out. If you say it with enough energy, people think it's spiritual. We're just going to try it out. Um, we're just going to try some stuff out. Um, because that's, that's the way that my faith has been my entire life, in all honesty. Um, it's I, I come to something, and uh, sometimes things just come naturally. And you're like, okay, cool. God, this is cool. I like this. Uh, and then there are other times where it's actually a lot more complicated. Um, and so this is one of those complicated seasons. It's been a complicated week for me um, in diving into this text that we're looking at, because I think what's happening um, to me <laughs> is actually what was designed to happen over the course of this series. Uh, it's that we would have our perspective shifted in such a way that reminds us that Jesus isn't the one who, who just points us to a way that Jesus, in fact, himself is the way. And until you allow yourself to get out of the way, <laughs> you're never fully going to be able to wrap your head around that or what it means. So here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to look at this passage of scripture that we've been in for the past few weeks. Um, John chapter 14. It's John chapters 14 through 17. And uh, this entire series, the idea behind it and all this other stuff, the way that it, the way that it works um, is that Jesus, uh, he says this phrase in John chapter 14, verse 6, that completely changes the paradigm of how we live our lives as believers. Um, he says it this way. He says that I am the way, the truth, 
and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. It is Jesus who is the way, who transforms us, who changes us, who makes us uh, into himself. Um, and that seems really easy, right? I mean, this is the way that most of us are introduced to Christianity. Uh, maybe you were a little bit younger. Maybe that you're new to this whole thing. This is the first time hearing a lot of this stuff. Uh, but you were introduced to Christianity kind of in this idea of, oh, well, all you have to do is say this prayer, and then you're good. Like, that's it. Like, oh, yes, I that, and then I'm done. But then you start to live life, and you realize that it's actually a lot more complicated than that. And then you start to read your Bible and then you realize, oh, well, this is a bit complicated. And then you start seeing the, all the things that the life and the way of Jesus entails. And you're like, oh, wait, that's, that's all complicated too. At least it feels like it is. Because we always feel this pressure that we are the ones that have to do. We always feel that we are the ones that have to figure it out, right? Like God is just kind of dangling this cosmic carrot from space and saying, I hope you find your way here. But that's not it. What Jesus is saying is that he is the way. He is the one that gets us where it is that we need to be. And so whether you're here for the first time tonight or if you've been around for a while, here's the thing that I hope you understand over the course of this series is that it's in Jesus, it's in him, that all fulfillment and complete satisfaction for your soul is found. That, like, if you don't get anything else from our time that we get to spend together, it's this, is that in him all fulfillment and complete satisfaction for your soul is found. Because I know that for a lot of us, we say, okay, well, I know I'm looking for something, but I don't know what that thing is. And that thing is not a thing at all. It's a person named Jesus. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at a, at a chunk of scripture. It's actually funny how this whole thing turned out. Um, I'm going to, this doesn't work. So does somebody want to take it? Claire, do you want to take it and see if you can, yeah, see if you can give it up for Claire, everybody. She's awesome. Um, if you can figure it out, hit me back up. If not, it's fine. We're going to have some fun. It's going to be fun or weird. Um, <laughs> it's funny, the way that this whole thing turned out. Uh, so, you know, a few weeks ago, uh, Corey found me. Um, this is after our staff meeting that we had one day. And he's like, hey, Summer Nights is coming back up. Would you be interested in speaking? And I'm like, yeah, like, what's the, do you guys have a theme about it or whatever? He's like, yeah, we're, at, we're looking at John 14 through 17. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. I'm like, actually, John 15 was kind of like this chapter that I just soaked in last year. Like I, I read it. The, my, my word for the year for 2021 was the word abide. What does it mean to abide in Christ? And you're going to hear about that in a few weeks. Um, and he goes, okay, that's cool. Um, you're actually, uh, John 14, uh, 12 through 21. Like that's actually what I want us to talk about. Um, I want you to talk about, give it up for Claire. She figured it out. Fantastic. He goes, that's actually what I want you to, to talk about. And at first I was like, okay, cool. It's the Bible. It's Jesus stuff. I'm a professional Christian. It shouldn't be too hard. Um, <laughs> What I didn't realize was that, uh, so there are two, I, I started following Jesus when I was 14. Um, and there are two phrases from Jesus that have always confused me. And they've just kind of gone in the box of, I'll figure it out when I get to heaven. Like, I'm not going to stress about this now. I'm not going to ask too many questions. I'm not going to get hung up on it. I'll just find out about it when I get to heaven. Um, it wasn't until I opened my Bible to John chapter 14, verses 12, uh, 12 through 21, that I realized both of these two things uh, Jesus says back to back. <laughs> and Corey's like, figure it out. You'll have fun. Um, that's not what he said. That's not what he said. Corey's actually been very, very helpful in this. So we're going to look at uh, these verses and how they, how they kind of play in here. Um, here they are. John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. We're just going to start off in the beginning. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I am going to be with the Father. 
You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son, um, uh, yeah, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Do you know um, anybody who's like not? Let's, let's be gentle. Let's let's put it in church language. Um, they don't have the gift of encouragement. Let's put it that way, right? Do you know anybody who is very well-intentioned? Like their goal is to make you feel better, but usually they end up making you feel a little bit worse. Um, Usually, this is what I noticed. Usually these people are talkers, um, but they're not good listeners. And that's the problem. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation before where you just need somebody to listen to you, uh, but instead they just want to talk. They just want to offer solutions. Listen, I love my mom to death. Who said, here we go? (laughs) My mom um, is not the type of person you can vent to. You know what I'm talking about? Because she's mom. She loves you and she cares for you. And she has some miles on you. She has some experience. And here's the thing. A lot of times, mom's wisdom is actually something that I need to hear. But not right now. (laughs) Right? So you say, Mom, I just need to vent. I just need to get some things out to you. But instead, they want to offer solutions. And listen, I don't need solutions. I'm miserable and misery loves company. So just sit here with me <laughs> while I complain. The other type of, uh, of, of encourager or comforter, whatever you want to say, is the one who um, thinks that you're as selfish as they are. <laughs> Let me tell you what I mean by that. Um, they're the type of person that you go, oh, man, work's been horrible because my boss is a jerk. And they go, well, if it makes you feel any better, I hate my boss, too. <laughs> How selfish do you think I am that knowing that you also have a bad work situation somehow makes my situation better? Like, this, just, this is like if I was in a hole and you came down in the hole and was like, well, now we're both in a hole. It's like, I didn't want you here in the first place. I just <laughs> leave me alone because you're not good at this. There are plenty of people who have really, really good intentions and really, really want to try to help you through hard times. But instead, them offering their advice because you're not listening to it with the right ears and because you're not in the right state of mind. Feels like bad news instead of help. Right. And if I'm honest with you, that's where I've been reading this passage. Jesus is about to go to the cross. He's about to die, come back. He's going to ascend up to heaven. And so he's trying to, he, he has his inner circle. He has his, his disciples who have been hanging out with him for the last three years. And he's about to tell them, hey, listen, guys, I'm, I'm about to leave. And it's going to be tough for you. It's going to feel bad. But don't worry, I'm going to offer you some encouragement. And this encouragement, it doesn't just go to these disciples in the room. It actually transcends time. And it, it speaks to us here today, which is the reason why we can find so much in here. Um, And while John 14, 12 through 14, was designed and spoken by Jesus to be an encouragement, I found myself being discouraged by it because uh, there's a couple of problematic statements in here, at least seemingly. Uh, The first one, he says, I tell you the truth, uh, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works. Because I'm going to be with the Father. Then he keeps going. He says, you can, ask, you can ask for anything in my name. And I will do it. Then he kind of doubles down on this idea. He goes, yes, ask me for anything in my name. And I will do it. 
sidebar, um, coloring is fun. <laughs> um, and the reason why I find myself discouraged by these things is because as someone who has been following Jesus for about 13 years now, um, I don't always feel like these things are true. But in the same situation as where when I'm going through a tough time and I'm asking my mom, hey, you know, can you just listen? And she tries to offer advice. Again, her advice may be helpful, but it feels like it's not because I'm listening with the wrong perspective or the wrong understanding of what she's saying. And that's the same thing that happens in these passages. All week I had been struggling and, and wrestling with these words and saying, why do I not feel <laughs> like this stuff is true? And it was in, in studying this passage out that I realized that, that there's actually something that I bring to the Bible every time that I open it called me. <laughs> and I usually get in the way. Jesus says that you will do even greater works than I. And the thing that gets in, in the way of that is uh, I don't feel too great. There's a level of, of, of not good enough <laughs> that creeps itself in. There's this level in the sense that um, I, there's no way I could ever do anything greater because my idea, my understanding of what greatness is, is broken. So I bring my broken view to Jesus' statement, and then I mess it all up. Then he says, you can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. And I think, well, Jesus, I've, I've asked for things in your name before. I didn't really know why. I heard other Christians say, in Jesus' name I pray, and so that's how I just close all of mine out. Um, but I've asked for things in your name before, and I haven't gotten it. And so, so really what I've been doing is I, now I take this statement from Jesus, and what I'm bringing to it is the theology of my own experience. It's the theology that says, well, Jesus says one thing, but what I see play out in my life is totally different. So what happens to me actually has more authority than what Jesus said. And the problem is, it's not with his promise. It's with my misunderstanding. And what, so happened, what happens so quickly is, is there's a phrase in here that we always, I think we read over way faster than we should. Um, because we've already had made up in our mind what is and what isn't true, he says, I tell you the truth. He starts it off that way. But we throw it out the window. <laughs> because he said this, but it doesn't line up with what it is that I'm experiencing. So what I want us to do in the last few minutes that we have here together um, is I want us to look at what Jesus teaches us about greater things. I want us to try to uh, allow the Holy Spirit to really like mess up your concept of great <laughs> in whatever you think it is right now. And the irony is, is that Jesus, he, he actually does this for us. If we, if we move a little bit further, uh, Jesus closes this little section out, um, or actually he continues in this section. I don't, know if you ever, I don't know if you do this, but like my Bible has little headings in it, you know what I mean? So whenever like there's a new heading, I'm like, that's the end of that thought, and this is the beginning of a new thought. But that's not, like Jesus didn't do that. He wasn't like, you'll do greater things in my name. Chapter two, all right, and then just keep going, right? He doesn't, no, it's all one long continuous thought. Um, and so I've always kind of disassociated Jesus' previous words with what he says next. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who 
leads into all truth. That's an interesting statement by itself. But when we realize that just a few verses later, Jesus says that I am the truth. It's as if Jesus recognizes our propensity to deny him as the source of everything that we need. And he says, listen, I'm going to be leaving you, but I'm sending you another who will lead you into all truth. It's as if Jesus is saying, I'm telling you what's going to happen when I leave you, but because I know how prone you are to get off of the path of truth, I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit that will comfort you and lead you back to me when things start to fall apart. When you have your misconceptions, when you have your doubts, when you have your questions that ask, do I really trust God? Is what he said really true? He gives us his Holy Spirit to put us back on track and to point us back to him. So while I've been looking at my own life and saying, I've never seen greater things, or I've prayed for things and those things have never happened, what I've done is I've looked at those two statements and I've disassociated Jesus from them <laughs> completely. Like completely disassociated Jesus from them. And so let's read this again, but let's look at what he actually says. First of all, he says, anyone who believes in me, if you need a fun side project that we don't have time to get into today, next time you read John, look at how many times Jesus says, just believe in me. Just that's worth the price of a mission alone. Um, he says, you will do the same works that I have done, and even greater works, because I am going to be with the Father. Jesus's idea of the greatness that's available to us, the greater things that he has for us, um, they, they aren't about us. <laughs> I don't know if you realize that. <laughs> and they don't look the way that we think great is. Like when I read this, the reason why I have a problem is because I think Jesus is saying, you're going to lay hands on the sick and they're going to be healed. I fed 5,000, you're going to feed 10,000. I walked on water, you're going to do, I can't even swim. So this is why I'm like, you see what I'm saying? Like my own experience speaks into this whole thing. And so but what I don't realize is that Jesus is actually painting us a model of what greater looks like. And it's, it's the same thing that Corey talked about a few weeks ago, that it's the, the Jesus way of greater is actually taking a seat of humility mm -hmm. and stepping back and not yielding to what, what we want to do, but instead what, uh, what God wants to do. Um, I think there's three things that Jesus teaches us in this. The first uh, is that Jesus doesn't hoard greater things for himself. And we don't do that. We want greater things for us. <laughs> but we rarely want greater things for other people. Jesus actually doesn't hoard greater things for himself. Like Jesus, if anybody had the right to say, I'll do it myself, it was him. How many of y'all are people you like, you don't like other people cleaning for you because they're not gonna clean it right. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like this could have been Jesus. He could have said, listen, I might move slower because I'm only one person as opposed to like the hundreds of y'all, but like, I'm gonna stay here because I can do it better myself. He says, no, I'm actually gonna leave so that you can receive the Holy Spirit and then continue in God's will for your life. So maybe the greater things that Jesus wants for us isn't the, the grand scheme miracles that we imagine, like we're going to go split seeds and all this other stuff. Maybe what he wants, the greater thing that he offers to us is a greater life in submission to the Father that points other people to an eternal destiny. The greatest thing that Jesus calls us to is to go out and do what he did. And it's for us to get out of the way in order to bring glory to God. We're going to get to that a little bit more in just a second. Before we move, I do want to add this in. Think about the humility that's necessary in Jesus to say this. 
Just think about how much he was willing to lower himself in order to do this. He accepted that he had to ascend to heaven so that we would receive the Holy Spirit, and and he's totally okay with that. He's okay with wanting greater things for us and him getting out of the way. The second thing that he does is he offers us an invitation to partner alongside him in greater things by giving us an empowered mission. And he does that um, right. Sorry. Before I came up, David was like, you're doing your Chris Collinsworth thing, and that's what I feel like now. Like it's, you know, anyway, um, I I don't need that. Um, he says, anything you ask for in my name. Um, and I think this helps bring some clarity, but it does still complicate it. And this is going to be one of those things where it's like, I don't have an answer. Y'all figure it out and come back and get to me. Um, but Jesus is asking for us to partner with him in things that God is already doing. And this is a paradigm shift because for so long, I always, I don't know about you guys, but like when I was young, like I always had people that would be like, oh, you have so much potential. I can see you doing amazing things, especially if you grew up around the church. Everybody's uncle is like, you're going to be a great young man one day, right? Like that's just kind of the type of place that I grew up. No, okay. Y'all been at Hope too long. You don't have people like that here. But, um, but it's always this idea of potential. Like you're going to go out and you're going to do great things. And that always puts so much pressure on me because now I had to make my name live up to what everybody else thought. And it's not about me proving to everybody one day that Aaron did a good job. It's about doing things in the name of Jesus so that his name and his glory is found. I like to think about it like this. I usually use this like in a negative way. Um, Michael, let's say we switch names, okay? Um, For just a little bit. What I was like, I'm going on vacation to Europe. While I'm gone, you can be Aaron Nelson, all right? So I leave. I go away having a great time. I come back. I pick up a newspaper. I wrote this analogy a long time ago. I pick up a newspaper, uh, and on the front page, it says, Aaron Nelson found swimming naked in a pool. (laughs) That's what he did with my name (laughs) that changes everyone's reputation of who I am. And usually I use this as an example of how Christians drop the ball a lot. But Jesus is actually using it as a way to invite us into something better. He's saying, listen, when you go out and do things, don't do them in your name to build a name for yourself. Do them in my name so that people will look and see your father in heaven. And I just wonder how many times I've asked for things, stapled Jesus's name to it and expected it to work out because it's what I really wanted. And I even wonder with this, like this is, this is the part that I struggle with and the part that I would love to have some conversation with y'all afterwards about if there's time. But um, I feel like I've asked for things in Jesus's name with really, really good intentions. Um, I have family members who don't know Jesus. I said, God, I ple- make yourself real to them. Make yourself known to them. Like that feels like a good Jesus prayer. Like it feels like he would co-sign on that one. And it hasn't happened. And that's when the theology of my experience creeps in. And so in here somewhere, this is the part that I'm I'm wrestling with and that I need to understand and that I don't know if we ever will on this side of heaven. But I have to understand that God is working things together. And I may not get it. I may not understand it. In my brain, God, this seems like a no-brainer. Just do it. Save all of us the time and the energy. Just do it, God. (laughs) But that's not the way that he operates. 
He's not a genie in a bottle for us to just manipulate to do anything that, that we think is best. Even when it looks good. If we ever say, God, you should do this because I think this is best, then why are you calling him God? It's not about what we think is best. It's submitting to the will of the Father. We always talk about wanting a stronger prayer life and, and wanting to have our prayers answered and, 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 and praying for the right things. Like, man, when are we going to understand that we have to adopt the, the stature and the heart posture attitude uh, that Jesus had when, he, when Jesus got down on his knees in the garden and said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Like, even praying for things in God's name, don't you realize that, like, that prayer... That's one that sounds great, like you probably got it on a bookmark somewhere. Not my will, but your will be done. Man, that prayer led Jesus to the cross. And we'd say, that doesn't seem like what you should be doing, God. But what if God has greater things than even you can imagine? The last thing. I don't know what these, do you see that thing up there? That number is like four out of ten. I don't know what those other six slides are. This is all I got. (laughs) Um, <laughs> he promises us the Holy Spirit. Oh, wait, I don't need this one. There we go. I'm, there we go. We're, we're mapping out the curb. Oh, I've, I've left out some stuff. There we go. It's cool. Um, you know what? I don't know how things work. Here we go. <laughs> Not that one. This one. This is the one. Jesus does all of this. He says all these things, and then he offers us the, the Holy Spirit. He says he's coming. He's going to come and take care of things for you. And, um, Jesus promises us, by the way that he lives his life and by what he tells us in this passage, that greater things always result in bringing glory to God. Greater things always result in bringing glory to God. And so if you're anything like me, maybe you're saying, hey, listen, I want greater, but I don't really know what greater is. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that feels like. I don't even, like now I'm even scared to pray because what if it's not my will? What if if it's my will and not God's will? Like, how do I know even what to pray for? And this is when Jesus offers us the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 26 says that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. So let me tell you, whether it's for you, whether it's for someone else that you know, if you feel like, man, there's a situation that I'm praying about and I feel like I'm not getting what I ask for in Jesus' name, and that makes you want to cry yourself to sleep, I don't know what sort of, that's so cheesy. Oh my gosh, I have to say it now because I did it. I was going to say, I don't know what type of Rosetta Stone the Holy Spirit has. That's so bad. I hate when (laughs) pastors do stuff like that. (laughs) I don't know what it is, but those groanings, they hit the ears of God. And he knows. He knows. Second thing. I was having a conversation with somebody earlier this week. I was talking to Josh about this. He was like, what does this passage mean? I was like, I don't know, but I'm going to steal it from a message on Sunday. <laughs> or Wednesday. <laughs> this is 1 Corinthians 2, 10 and 12. It says that it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. And we have received God's spirit so we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. Let me tell you, the moment that you put your faith 
in God. You receive his Holy Spirit. And now you don't have your same mind anymore. The Bible actually teaches us that we, we get the mind of Christ, that the way that we think, the way that we view the world, the things that we once held dear, all of those things start to change. So here's, here's what I want you to do. Um, you can close your eyes for just a second. I want you to think to yourself for just a moment, what is the greatest thing that you have ever accomplished? What is the greatest thing you've ever accomplished? And it could be, it could be all over the place. Maybe you bought a house and you're really proud of that. You remember getting a high score on a video game when you were a kid, I don't know. The greatest thing you've ever accomplished. What is that thing that you're the most proud of? And then I want you to look into the future a little bit, and I just want you to, to, to talk about, um, what is, man, what is the, the greatest thing I hope to accomplish? What is the greatest thing that I hope to accomplish? If that thing isn't revolved around bringing glory to the Father, I want you to just take a moment and pray and invite the Holy Spirit in to change your plans. Because he has greater things. Things that have an eternal impact. Things that will change the the course of human history. When we submit to the Father. And our only concern is bringing glory to him. The greatest thing that God has invited us into is the opportunity to impact eternity by pointing other people to him and being his hands and feet. The worship band is going to lead us in a song here before we get ready to break out and have some conversation about this. But man, I just want you to take a moment and really just invite the Holy Spirit in. Let him disrupt your plans Let them disrupt where you think you'll be in 10 years from now. And just say, Holy Spirit, I believe you have greater things.